11 o'clock comics episode 253 there we go he had to get like a running start for that one did and I fall away in the other room. I was gonna do boohoo, but you know, nah, I didn't. Why would you do boohoo? Well, no, when he was out last week. Oh, and that that would have made more sense, like, right? Back this week, but right. I guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> I was gonna break him some welcome back, Connor. Oh, Marcia Strassman. Woohoo! Back in the day, they're all they're all dying though. Like, how yeah, they are. They're, they're all freaking old. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. you know who's never gonna die, Travolta, because he's a vampire. He's well, a Scientologist vampire. No, you're never gonna you die. Know he is, he is, he's a character from Black Kids too. Except he doesn't have a penis. He's got the the, the JJ. He's he's Dieter. Abe Vigoda is is either, he's either been dead for the last twenty years or is never gonna die. He's the one who, whenever anybody mentions him, they're like, "Oh, I thought he was dead." He was. That's, that's he, the, was he was old when he was on Barney Miller, like yes. forty years yeah, ago. He was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lying. Great looking fucking now. That's a great. There, there are people on the paranormal boards that I go to that are convinced <laughs> that the timeline has changed somehow. So is like that the, what you the, never hang out on our boards? Uh, no. uh, like they'll say Jackie Chan I thought Jackie Chan was dead in fact I'm sure I read a report back in blah 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 where Jackie Chan and there was some guy inevitably will come on that's because the timelines have diverged we are on a different path it's like you don't how do you know that you can smell, you can smell the cheese doodle stains on his t-shirt I know I think it that's awesome He's a very he has very discriminating tastes in anime. <laughs> it's, it's cute. Oh, you've discovered the paradox. Yes, with the funny hat. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the anime club. That was friggin' hysterical. Japanese animation club? Yeah. Oh, I thought I Mickey it. Rourke died. We had to we had to wiki that today. Dude, I watched Wild Orchid the other day and what a mm, that is not the same Mickey Rourke. Something happened. Yeah, what happened is boxing. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. It's a little fucking hard. Um, that movie, I have a mention. I would not age well. Who cares? Look at her. Well, yeah, she was hot. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, my dad thought he was funny because he'd be like, oh, you know, he'd like introduce himself to people as like, you know, Lewis. I'm like, all right, dad, it's it's okay. It's. <laughs> and we, you saw the movie. It's cool. I've never had a cab ride like that. I wish I did. <laughs> so <laughs> nine, and yet, brother. nine and a half weeks was like all that in a bag of chips when it came yeah. out. Remember that? Was it body, th- body heat? What was the... Yeah, it was Wild Orchid that kind of like pushed it oh, into the... Yeah, for, yeah depending on your generation, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. dirty. Why do they call it dirty? Hey, everybody. It's 11 uh, o'clock comics. We're dirty. And I am Vince B. Yes, you are dirty. You bet. Uh, I'm Chris Neesman. I'm David Price. Not sounding as chipper as he should be, but I'm oh. Arthur Dent. <laughs> <laughs> don't panic, Jason, because you're not Arthur Dent. You're Jason Wood, and you don't have to panic about spending money on comics, because you can get them real cheap, bitches. Wow. You can get them at... <laughs> you can get so it. so good on the train. I know, right? <laughs> 
like you, only taking us 260 fucking episodes for unless, these almost, you know, I am getting good until I'm undermined and you can get them at this discount comic book service dcbservice.com where you'll find all your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge massive planet sized discounts check this out from kaboom you can get the very first adventure time original graphic novel that's OGN to the enlightened uh, it is written by Miss Danielle Corsetto and art by Zach Sterling. It's 160-some pages, I think. It's up there. Uh, $11.99 cover price. You can take it to your abode for a lousy $5.99. That's 50% off. You don't usually get 50% off Kaboom or Boom Books. It just doesn't happen. So there you go. From Archie. The New Crusaders, Dark Tomorrow, uh, first issue, written by Ian Flynn of Sonic the Hedgehog fame, uh, art by Aletha... Fame? fame? Yeah, fame, dude. Fame, um, okay. Aletha... Don't be so judgmental. I'm not judging, uh, I'm just questioning fame. Jason, enlighten him later. Aletha <laughs> Martinez and Various on the art, cover price two ninety nine. your price... A dollar forty-nine, and once again, a pair of concrete shoes for anyone who does not order Jack Kirby's *In the Days of the Mob* hardcover, written by some dude named Jack Kirby, art by some guy named Jack Kirby, uh, inked by Various. Of course, I bet you Colette is in there. Uh, it collects *Days of the Mob* number one and stuff from *Amazing World of DC Comics* number one and ten, which are really hard to get these days. Cover price thirty-nine ninety-nine. Chris, what are they going to get it for? Um, uh, thirty-five to fifty percent off that. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting it for half off, nineteen hey, ninety-nine. Hey. And do not forget, you can get your previews for a dollar twelve, and it's $1. digital. $1. It's digital. You download it when it comes out. You don't have Digi-preview. to wait for your shipment to come or hope that you're getting a shipment on the week that the previews come on because you won't be able to know what to order. A dollar twelve. And David, if they're a first-time customer, what is that beautiful code that will get them an extra 8% off? That code would be EOC and the number 8. Oh, my God. EOC 8 gets you an extra 8% off your already massively discounted order. It's a no-brainer. DCBService.com. No diggity. There you go. Let's talk about some booze. I w- go ahead. Well, Vince, why don't you tell us what you're drinking? HTO. Oh, I was going to say, we know what H- he's drinking. HTO, buddy. How you looking, water. Vincenzo? Nine pounds so far. All right. Are you eating? Yes. <laughs> he has a What are you eating? Stuff. Delicious stuff. <laughs> Lots of sriracha sauce. You have, to feed, good, you, have, you have to feed the engine. I know. If you don't, then it's just going to come right back on like it did last time. Right, Fatty? I know, fatty, fat, fat. Wow. Yet yesterday, mm-hmm. I had a can of refried beans, and it was awesome. Oh, cool. And, so, and then you went panhandling? <laughs> Dude, yeah, so me and Mo you, went under the bridge. You starved <laughs> yourself downtown. more than refried beans, and then you eat refried beans? Like, <laughs> There's not a lot of fat. There's hardly any fat in refried beans. You know, like, okay, okay. Now, I, I'm, not an, I'm not a nutritionist, but we need to stop <laughs> this whole fat equals fat. I've been on a high-fat diet for Almost a year now. Yeah, I eat high fat food, and I've I've lost almost fifty pounds. Yeah, food is that. that's the biggest misconception. Fat has nothing to do with it. It's all about carbs, dude. You got to cut yeah. the carbs out. Yeah, I'm I no breads. 
No breads, no pastas. I cannot give up rice. I'm sorry. I ain't That's- going to do it. Limit your rice. Eat. It's the food cast now. Eat. Eat lots of good <laughs> proteins and and well, vegetables. Yeah. And that's good protein. I get and my then. requisite amount of proteins. Believe me. Okay. Believe yeah. you me. <laughs> yes. All this load you take. Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt's awesome. I yeah, heard he that. Greek yogurt right on his throat. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it on my back. Two's <laughs> <laughs> a target. All right. So so Ooh, we'll finish anything with what I'm going to talk about tonight. We'll, we'll stop. We'll stop boring people with the uh, with the food talk and bore them right. with the alcohol talk. Jason, how about you? What are you drinking? Uh, I am I am drinking a I have to say fantastic wow uh, bottle of wine here. It's um it's uh I'm not much of a French speaker, so you have to pardon me. But it's Chateau La Rose Saint Sauveur. Mm. But it's uh it's French. basically a uh, it's a Bordeaux. It's uh it's great though. It's a little, a little French house wine, but. Nice. We got a case given to us as a gift, uh, and uh, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> Love that, Vince. Vince, if you're going to drink red wine, great to drink. Yes. Yeah, baby. I even suggest uh, that's you know, water in my family. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you, you uh, we'll spill the a little wine, Vinny so. sipping on wine right now somewhere. Sure, Pete. Playing uh, with, uh, with the spot uh, <laughs> Mr. Price, how about you? Uh, I am. I'm trying something new tonight. It is 1792 Ridgemont Reserve. Uh, <laughs> that'll be me on the Jason. Barbarians. <laughs> Barrel Select Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, 46.85% alcohol by volume, 93.7 proof. Nice. Wow. You're going to be in the oh. city tomorrow, man. I know. I know. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to be here for the whole episode i think so i, I i'm trying to get my drink in now. what is this shit dude he's 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 running on 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 it yeah i can understand that no that no that's that's but i'm that's not gonna be thing. like you know the other slackers i'm actually here for the episode i just might not be here for the whole episode i'm hey, not hey, bailing hey, on you i bailed but it no was you'll just time. you'll just leave during the you know seventh inning when we need you or or or, yeah, could, or, or or you could just take a little nap uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I'll take a page out of Chris's book. That's perfect. Did, speaking of bourbon, did you uh, did you hear what Maker's Mark did? They uh, yes, back to it. They they yeah, they, they, yeah. they decided not to um, restrict or, or minimize. Well, they, they well they they you know to meet demand, they were they cut the alcohol back so they could you know make more bourbon out of what they they had, and so they they reduced the the proof from what ninety really to eighty. Or was that just all a publicity stunt so people would be interested in having it again? I mean, I no, 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 no. They, they they were cutting it so they could they could fill more bottles with with the available bourbon that they had um, barreled. So yeah, it was to make more bottles of bourbon, and and it was an outcry, and so they went back to it. So it's a Maker's Mark and and New Coke have something in common. Uh, I'm actually drinking some bourbon tonight, and you think nice. uh, you think David has got some uh, um, some. Uh, leaded fuel. I'm drinking some Booker's bourbon, and that is uh, the Jim Beam Distillery's uh, small batch, um, uncut, unfiltered bourbon. So it weighs in somewhere around 128 proof. Jesus! Wow. So cut that down with God a with, with a couple ice cubes and uh, keep it away from uh, any open fire and uh, and I'll be uh, I'll be sipping on this one probably for the rest of the night but wow. it is uh, it's delicious it's a 
phenomenal bourbon. It's one of my favorites, and uh, only have it on uh, on on certain occasions. So uh, I figured tonight was uh, was a good night to just kind of you know kick back with my brothers, Today have a little a Booker's bourbon. It's Today good. Was a good day. Today was a good day. Yeah. Can Clay. I go first? No. Sure. Well, wait. Can we? Yes. Thank you. Can, can can? Well, no, no. Well, yes. Sure. But something that that we've been neglecting for. The past few weeks now. Personal hygiene. Very important. Well, yes, especially with con season coming up. Uh, but just to let everybody know, as, as another alternative, as an option, I don't want to say alternative with our listeners. We don't know which way they'll go. So as, as an option uh, to how you can obtain this show, we are now on Stitcher Radio. Look at oh, that. Oh, that's right. Really? Stitcher.com. Yes, you can listen to this show. I did not, I did not get the memo. You did not. You need to check your email, son. The, <laughs> oh, uh, Spot Barner, son. You can go to uh, Stitcher, the Stitcher app on on your iPhone, Android phone, whatever phone you have, your Kindle, your your Android device, your iPad, and uh, or or online. Go go through the web, but uh, you go to uh, Stitcher.com. Register with Facebook if you want to leave the comments and whatnot. Log in, create an account, what have you. But you can find Eleven O'clock Comics on. Stitcher Radio, so that's awesome. Aww, yeah. I, plan on, I plan on giving it a shot this week on the train. I'll, I figure I'll start it and then uh, see how it sounds without me having to download and, and eat up any of my my stored my, my precious storage space. I'll just stream it like I do everything else. So there you go. Nice. Cool. So that was your thing we forgot. That's my thing we forgot. Yes. Get this. What I have prepared a lot for this week because too bad. Dave, well, not, but it's it's not a lot. This is the weird part about it. David said, "Hey, let's do the whole storybooks from um, Ryan Estrada and company." So, so I read oh, the, I read the all of it. No, no, I didn't. I didn't either. So, okay. I, I I read the Anime Club, yes. and I I read Fusion Future. I read all of Sullivan Sluggers three times. Oh, I haven't read that yet. Three I times, haven't. right? I I got caught up on freaking saga like I told Jason. I read a bunch of stuff, but as as my luck runs, I got something just today. I did a little bit of web design work for a friend of my wife uh-huh. and uh they obviously it's a friend of the wife. I'm not going to take anything from it, right? Uh but they threw me some comics. And all of them what have covered they threw me some comics. For say, hey, thanks a lot. Here, take like these. They already had, like they were comic collectors as well. No, the husband is a flea market guy, so I'm guessing oh, he picked them up cool. over over a period of time. Uh, the cover prices are twenty cents or less, but one of them leaped out at me. I was like, oh, I got to read this for tonight. This is so good. It's from 1973. It's a DC book. It's a war reprint book, and it only lasted four issues. Back of the day. I had no idea this book even existed because um, it was a surprise to me now. It's called G.I. War Tales, uh, number four, from 1973. I like, I like it already. And it's I'm guessing it's all written by Bob Kaniger because in the on the letters page, they have a addendum to Kaniger the Creator, and Creators with a K, uh, an earlier text feature, a complete listing of Bob Kaniger's Battle Magazine credits at DC. Listen to this. Bob Kaniger, the creator, uh, created Sergeant Rock and Easy Company, Haunted Tank, also the one-legged Captain Storm, 
originally a PT boat skipper, now one of the losers. Old friends and foes such as Ace Johnny Cloud, Gunner and Sarge, The War That Time Forgot, Enemy Ace, Pooch the Canine, G.I. Robot, Little Al, Big Al, and Charlie Cigar, The Tank Killer, Mademoiselle Marie, Balloon Buster, and Captain Hunter. Uh, All of the above were both created and written by Koeniger. In the non-war field, Bob created and wrote the following. (laughs) The Viking Prince, The Silent Knight, Sea Devils, Metal Men, Suicide Squad, The Black Canary, Rose and Thorn, Star Sapphire, Harlequin, The the Ghost, Poison Ivy, Wonder Girl, Wonder Tot, Nubia, The Trigger Twins, Outlaw, and El Diablo. This really puts into perspective what Bob Koeniger has done for comics. I mean, holy Mm. crap! I think he's one of the unheralded guys out there. He... He did a lot of stuff. Oh my god! And and his stories are so good, and they're so the, he does his war stories are right down to the human level. That's what makes them great. It, it's not about guys blowing the hell out of each other. It's about the human element in battle. Get this: the very first story, the artists in this book are holy crap. It leads off with Russ Heath. He's all right. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. <laughs> Russ Heath is illustrating a story called the Four Legged Tank. This thing is awesome. It's about an armored cavalry division in World War II. And, and they're um, in France. Germans all around the place, right? Their um, engine blows in the tank. So they're, they're sitting there and they're, they're trying to fix it. Uh, and the uh, commanding officer tells uh, Private Mike Wilson to uh, do a sit rep. Go look around. We do not want any Germans surprising us while we're doing repairs we're like sitting ducks go check around so he, he's looking around and he finds an old french farmhouse goes up to it and there's three germans in there uh setting up a a, a platform gun like a machine gun uh on a tripod and he kills them but uh he throws a grenade in the window of the, of the farmhouse and it blows him back and when it blows him back he lands on his on his belly and he feels something pushing against his back and he's like oh shit I'm, I'm done it's a German he turns around and it's a horse it's a horse of right course. and, and of this course. is and this is a, this is a, uh, Mike's a farm boy and he, he <laughs> lamented the fact that the cavalry divisions in the war are all mechanized there's no more horses uh, in the army um, so he's he's petting the horse he's like eh, you're a good boy I miss my horses and suddenly a Nazi infantry group comes bearing down on his position he gets on the horse and he just chops the guys to shreds right and there's a wall between uh him and the nazis he jumps over the wall with the horse and he's like yeah i'd like to see a tank do that um and meanwhile the, the surviving germans are trying to blow the shit out of him and he uses the wall as um protection for the horse and he just rides along the 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 wall just blowing the hell out of the germans and he gets them right so he's going back to his um uh the tank and a nazi tank gets a beat on him and he's running all over the place and he manages to take out the nazi tank with nothing more than a horse and a pair of grenades nice yeah awesome awesome freaking story i would make yeah, and it's and it's illustrated by Russ, Russ Heath, so it is gorgeous, right? The next story is called Soldiers of the High Wire. It's about a couple of, of uh, uh, I think the Marines. No, 
they no, they're they're grunts in in World War Two, but they're they're uh, behind enemy lines setting up uh, telegraph lines, um, telephone wire, so they can contact the, the base, right? And uh, they're having a problem with guerrillas, uh, Russian guerrillas, not the ones that swing from trees. Um, and in the midst of all this, this this highfalutin uh, broadcasting guy uh, wants them to take this recording equipment into the field and record the sounds of battle because the sounds of battle have never been broadcast. And, and he, he wants people to really hear what war is like. So these, these two guys are in a Jeep and they get uh, strafed by a MiG. <laughs> uh, and the, 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 this seriously, and the MIG is strafing them, and they're like, "Oh man, this is going to make a terrific recording. This is great." All of a sudden, uh, they're, they're firing at the MIG with rifles. Not going to do a whole hell of a lot, but uh, one of our jets just happens to be in the area and blows the MIG out of the sky, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be great." But the one guy forgot to press the record button, so <laughs> they're all dejected, and they're they're just trying to go back when they encounter a Russian tank. And um, so it's a, a, a battle between a Russian tank and a, an American tank, and they're blowing the shit out of each other. And they get the recording. They're like, yes, let's get back to base. And right before they get back to base, um, the guerrillas set a trap for them. They, they cut the, record, the, the telegraph line so they can go back up in the poles and, um, and fix it. So, and while they're up on the poles, they destroy their, their jeep. And uh, so the guys are sitting ducks on the top of the telegraph lines. And wouldn't you know, the Marines come and save them. And uh, the the phone was dangling from the, the, the telephone pole. He was in contact with the base saying, yeah, I fixed the line. Just want to make sure it's, it's running. And then the shit hit the fan and the receiver was still dangling. But the receiver picked up all the sounds of battle. And and they recorded it on the other end. But when they gave it to the broadcaster, he didn't believe it was real. He thought it was <laughs> fabricated. Yeah, this story is illustrated by ba, um, sorry, Bernie Krigstein. <laughs> so you got Russ Heath, Bernie Krigstein, and the last story, Jason, you're going to shit. I'm going to poop? Yes, it's called Metal for a Marine. It, it's about... Um, uh, this company called the Dog Company, and one of their Marines sacrificed uh, everything to to bring his buddies out of the thick of battle. I mean, he just risked his life. He he dragged his guys out, and they're going to decorate him. But the medal is on a ship on the other side of the island that they're currently patrolling. And in order to get it there, they give it to another Marine to to bring it through the thick of the battle to the the company that's going to decorate this dude uh so he's on a he's on a, a pt boat and the boat gets uh blown out of the water by a uh it looks like a german speedboat no it's a russian speedboat no it's a japanese speedboat i'm sorry <laughs> uh so so he's he's yeah, blown out Ukrainian of speedboat he, it's Polish. He's he's blown out of the water, but and he loses the medal. But he he's he's like I gotta get this for for that marine. And he goes, he gets the medal, and there's a bullet hole in it. And he swims back to shore. And he in the meantime he throws a grenade and blows up the the speedboat. He gets back to shore and he's strafed by an enemy hawk, not a bird, a plane. And the he takes out the hawk with one bullet. One lucky bullet takes the, the plane out. Uh, and then he's ambushed, and all this shit happens to him. And he gets the, the, the medal back to his, his uh, friend, and it's a, this huge ceremony. But the story was illustrated by Mort Drucker. 
Ooh. Oh. Yes, and it's one of those oh, things, j- just like um, that uh, legendary illustrator that worked for Cracked Magazine, who also did Army stories. Uh, John Severin. John Severin. You you ex- when you see Mort Drucker's work, you expect it. You you're, you're looking for the pratfall. You're waiting for the punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is um, far. On the side of realism, like it's not as cartoony as Drucker's Mad Work, um, and there's there's really not that. How do you put it? Like even though John Severin drew westerns and and and, and military stories, whenever a character would smile, that that's a Severin trademark. Like the smile mm-hmm. on a character, there there's none of those little. Um, you know, maybe there's a joke coming in this. This is a raw story. It's it's the the line is just. Razor thin. You know, really, Craig Steed really is a beautiful. guy we, uh, he would definitely fit into that. Every now and then we have the category when someone asks us, like, under, underappreciated or yes. uh, not justly yeah. remembered artists, because that's Hell a guy yeah. we rarely ever talk about or you hear talked about, and uh, he should get more props than he does. Absolutely. And I'm hoping we will get a chance to talk about him more because the uh, Best of EC Artist Edition that's oh, coming yeah. out, I'm really hoping it has the Master Race story in it. By by Kriegstein. That is one of the all time best stories you'll ever see. Bar none. Bar none. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, GI and this came right out of the blue. So That's I'm loaded. Awesome, I'm loaded if you guys want to talk about the whole story stuff. No, dude, not yet. All right. Save it up. You're fired up, dude. Yeah, I am fired up. You're fired up. How could so you not get fired up with a book with with Kaniger, Kriegstein, Mort Drucker, and, and Russ Heath? Oh my God. Oh my God. Fine. You, you, that, that's how, how do you like uh, Kaniger's loser stuff? I like everything Kaniger. Yeah. Yeah. The, I don't think the guy ever wrote a truly bad. It's like the Ramones. Ramones never released a bad album. Kaniger never, mm-hmm. never wrote a bad comic book story. Okay. I can get yeah. behind that. Yeah. So you guys, uh, while you were busy recording, slaving over a hot microphone last week, I was uh, on the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. Wow. If if Chris lives on the the third coast, and we live on the first coast, and I guess you could say I was on the second coast. Mm-hmm. The left. I coast. was out in Cali, and on last Wednesday, I had the great pleasure of hanging out with our buddy Ron Richards, who nice, and his girlfriend Jesse. Ooh. And I met them at none other than the famous Isotope Comics. No Ooh. kidding. Yeah, Pretty really cool. Like, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I had never been. You know, obviously we've known. I had met James Syme, who's the owner, uh, a couple times over the years at different cons, and uh, I know that it's Ron's LCS, but I had always wanted to see the store for myself, and uh, it was freaking awesome, man! It is a great, great place. It's uh, like like many stores, it's not you know the largest place, you know. Like I mean, just because most comic stores, you know, can't really I think justify tons of square footage. But it's you know it's real slick. It's it's like retro looking. It's like bright, really bright and well lit. Um, red leather, uh, you know, white walls, like you know, uh, big black lettering. Like it's very very you know like chic looking, almost like a lounge. Which again is James puts on a lot of uh, you know parties and stuff too, uh, with drinks and whatnot. So, but the the cool thing was is it uh, it it had um, James has this thing where he when an artist or a creator comes to his, his store, and only if they come to the store, they, uh, they, he asks them to illustrate on top of a white toilet bowl cover. 
And so he has uh, toilet bowl covers hanging all atop the, the the top of the walls of the store with artwork from all myriad of of famous uh, artists and even some writers who like just write stories. Like Jason Aaron wrote the Wolverine's last story on it and stuff. Um, it's great. And and there's this upstairs lounge where like you can kind of just chill out and uh, like listen to music and stuff. And it's got like some costumes up there. It's got the, probably the best looking cosplay costume I've ever seen. There's a Doctor Great Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, isn't yeah. that crazy? <laughs> it's great. Now James's uh, girlfriend. You should you should see James in it. It's awesome. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. But the other thing which is cool is I knew from reputation that James, who is frequently mentioned among a short list of sort of the best retailers in the country, so I, I knew his store would have some cool stuff, but I didn't know exactly what to expect. Like I didn't know if it was like an all indie place or if it would have sort of a mix or what kind of uh, you know back stock they would have. And I would put his store kind of like um, in terms of the way it looks inventory-wise, the same way like the, a Bur- the Bergen Street look. Do you guys remember when we went to Bergen Street? Yes. Mm-hmm. In the sense that like it's really clean and, and there's not a lot of inventory out on display. So, there's, But there's like a few copies of lots of awesome stuff. You know what I mean? And James had the coolest like back issue out of print stuff and it was all available for cover price. Even stuff that was like out of print for 10, 15 years. If it was there in his store, it was there for cover price, which uh-huh. was amazing. So I came away with a shit ton of cool stuff. Most, <laughs> Vince, this is, and you may even have these, I don't know, but I saw the first one and was like, I gotta have this. And then he was like, oh dude, there's some more in the back. So I went in the back and, and sure enough, there were, so I bought four of them, which are these little hard, uh, these little. Oh no. Did he get knocked off again? Did he hit mute? I hit mute. Sorry, my bad. Sorry. I was leaning over to grab the <laughs> hit mute. Um, from uh, SAF Comics, which is a European uh, publishing house, he had a bunch of these um, uh, like European graphic albums, and they are. Um, one of them is called Sleep Little Girl by a guy named Sergio Bleda. And I didn't know him, but I looked through the artwork and thought, oh, this is just gorgeous. But then the other three are by, and this is where Chris will enjoy this too, uh, the the uh, the first one is by Carlos Trio with art by Juan Bobillo. And that's called Bird. Yeah, I have it. It's good. You do? Mm-hmm. What do you, have you read it? I haven't read it yet. Good. Uh, no, I haven't read it. Oh, okay. There you go. The next one is by Carlos Trio and Eduardo Riso, mm. called Red Moon Attack of he. the Circus. Nice. And the last one is also by Trio and an artist named uh, uh, Penny P E N I, and uh, that is called uh, Neferu the Cat. And these are oversized. Like I said, I think they're forty-eight or sixty pages, depending. Um, original graphic albums like they do in Europe and they're just gorgeous and they were all nice. printed in the early 2000s um, and I guess at some point uh, SAF must have tried to you know, sell their stuff here in the US but it must not have picked up much because I had never heard of them before but I am just so in awe of this stuff and again I, I, I'll talk about it you know, down the road when I've had a chance to read them I just really kind of bought them on, on site just I was so mesmerized by the artwork but um Dark but, Horse but, appropriated a bunch of those for that. Um, yeah, for that venture imprint oh, that they had. Okay. I think it was called Venture. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense because this bird one is actually by Venture. 
the other th- other three are by the SAF. So maybe that's yeah, maybe that's the connection. But just fantastic stuff. And then the other thing that I bought there, which is uh, <laughs> which is just uh, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, Brandon Graham, which we have unabashedly been fans of mm-hmm. for some time. Um, I think best known to the world abroad for King City, I guess you could say, right? That's probably yeah. fair to say. But um, mm-hmm. as as many know about Brandon, he is also quite the connoisseur of uh, of erotica, of, of porn comics. Mm. And James had uh, the long out of print uh, collected editions of Brandon's porn comics, Perverts of the Unknown being one and Pillow Fight being the other. And dude, let me tell you, <laughs> They are cray cray, dude. They are absolutely baffling. I mean, artistically, these are cut exactly from the same cloth as multiple warheads in King City. You know, the same sight gags, the same, you know, really clean line, the same attention to detail. Um, you know, just, just all of that. It basically, these books could very easily take place in that same universe. And in fact, the, 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 um, they do in a way. I mean, um, as I understand it, multiple warheads is sort of, uh, at least from his mind, set in the same universe, um, just without the overt sort of uh, you know pornographic elements. But they are just crazy, crazy books. They're each forty-eight pages. Um, and have you read these, Vince? Perverts, yes. I d- haven't read Pillow Fight. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, Pillow Fight is the much more I would say conventional of the two in the sense that it's basically a sapphic pornographic comic. This girl gets sent to an all-girls prep school. And hijinks ensue, right? I mean, so, you know, there is definitely some strange, like, Brandon Graham-esque, like, weird things that happen. But in essence, it's like a sapphic story that's not all that unconventional, you know, in that realm. But the perverts of the unknown, dude, is just, like, bananas, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah. the premise is that... <laughs> it's really not... The premise is the world's biggest pervert, this old guy named Walt, is approached by a a very voluptuous scientific uh, a doctor who who needs his help for something, uh, and then he gets so she gets the world's largest pervert with the world's hottest porn actress. It uh, goes by the name of Styx, S T I X, and they have to go with her and her team of scientists to this faraway Cthulhu esque place and basically have sex to create the world's greatest orgasm in order to save the world. And it is just bananas. somebody's got to do it. Yeah, yeah somebody's got to do it. It's bananas, and as graphic as anything I have ever seen put on on paper. Put it this way: if that Canadian dude had these in his airplane, in his suitcase when he got the when, when he tried to cross the border, he probably would have been arrested. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Vince knows what I'm talking about. Picture yeah, all the horrible, yeah, picture all the horrible things that Vince said about crossed Badlands last week. Yeah. Remove without the, the killing. Yeah, <laughs> and insert more, more, uh, more bodily fluid releases, and you've got mm-hmm. these books. Um, but the, but again, it's if you like Brandon Graham and you're not sort of uh, puritanical in your views, so you like sort of erotic comics. It was awesome. I mean, it was really entertaining. Like, I mean, not in like a like a lascivious way. It was just funny as hell because he's just it's just pure unbridled creativity. I mean. Um, it's just nuts. I mean, look, there are a lot of very graphic things I could say about it, and I'll save that um, maybe for the forums. We can get into more detail if people are interested. But um, <laughs> these are long since out of print. Um, I do think you can get them if you search, um, you know, from different second, you know, hand booksellers and stuff. 
But it was just so awesome because, you know, as you guys know, I've been looking for these for a while. And so for James to have these in stock and just, like, have them on the shelf was amazing. Um, did he have multiple copies of them? He did. Yeah, he actually did. <laughs> oh, and I go. would say, too, that I should um, say that, that – uh, the the sort of the cherry on top of the evening was we we were hanging out at the store just chilling out and just talking for a while and then uh, we had had Ron and Jesse and I had dinner plans and so James actually closed up the store early and came to dinner with us and we ended nice. up being out for like three in the morning like yeah. booz- boozing it and talking nice. comics and it was like pure nerdgasm dude we were talking James's, like yeah yeah James yeah. is totally I mean again like if you were to walk into his store awesome. yeah you might think his store based on the 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 uh the, the setting and most of the books he has on display you might think he's kind of like a uh like res- resigned to like being a TCJ you know kind of like guy like only yeah. into the indie comics but not at all like he's totally in the superhero stuff nope. i mean we talked about everything from like the worst you know the worst marvel bronze age heroes to you know the most overrated artists working in comics today like it was just a great night of pure geekery and i will just put a cap he on it by saying that uh loves comics Totally, and James actually loves the show, which uh, was I was oh, very surprised by. I didn't know when we walked in. Ron introduced me, and he said, "Oh, I know him. I recognize your voice immediately." So it was very, oh. it was very nice to. Uh, it was a great night and uh, a great time on San Fran. And anyone that is out in San Fran, um, there are a lot of stores in San Fran, but uh, Isotope is definitely worth the reputation that it has, uh, and, and in no small part because James and his girlfriend Kirsten run a, just a, a very fun, you know, uh, energetic scene. So. Super, super good times. Before you cap that but off, you know, you know, you know, no, I just you know why they're so nice, right? Why? Why? Because they're because they're from the Midwest. From they're they're both they're, from Wisconsin. Yeah, they are from Wisconsin. <sighs> That's true. Jason, your it's, love of Brandon Graham. I have been preaching this to you, kind of subtly, but uh, directly a few times about Cinema Sewer. Yeah. Magazine, Robin Bougie's Cinema Sewer. Get on it. Brandon, I mean, the dude reviews porn movies. He'll he'll do spotlights on on porn actresses and actors. He does exploitation films, but the whole magazine is hand lettered and hand drawn. Bougie's an artist, but Brandon Graham has has and continues to do illustrations for him. James Stoko, I think, did the cover of the most recent one. Nice. You need to get on Cinema Sewer. How does that work? Yes, yes, yes. How often does it come out? Uh, I believe it's quarterly. Oh, yeah. well, and and just to there are collected editions, but they they don't collect everything. It's just like every book is like the best of Cinema okay. Sewer. So Vince, you, you, it may have been a long time since you read it to remember the details, but um, the the scene that stands out to me is Sticks, who's the the the, the porn star. She's having sex with a guy, and <laughs> and she like he's getting ready to finish. And she's like, she's, she's, it's a porn, so she, her job's like, get him to finish. Like, the director's like, all right, it's time to get him to finish. So she, she gets, she, she grabs his, 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 his balls and stuffs them in her, her sphinx and like squeezes to get him to <laughs> The bite. She does the bite. Does yeah. the bite. I mean, it's like, oh, it's ridiculous. It's just absurd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Graham's strongest asset is the way he draws lips and pouty breasts. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yep. And he's a big booty fan too. All the girls oh my god, yeah, booties. yeah, yeah. All right, let's somebody else get the spotlight because our guest is going to be on soon. Oh shh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I have, but b- before Chris goes, uh, one quick for now. I don't know how quick it's going to be. It's from Jason Gonzalez. 
Dre Gonzo, who 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 can't be with us on Wednesday nights to EOC live tweet. So he asked me to ask us this question. It's his birthday today. I think it's his birthday today. Is it today? Oh no, it was it was the other day because when he when he asked me, I said anything for the birthday boy. So that, that, that's why I was yeah, able okay. To, I remember, but uh, uh, okay, okay. If you guys were given the power to break up the diamond monopoly, oh, in, thank you. Into what pieces would you break it, or how do you think it would work best? That is to say, something like. Marvel and DC have to be in separate distribution companies or the big two are with one company, that sort of thing. How would you fix distribution with competition? I don't think it needs to be fixed. I think the fix is already yeah. out there. I, gotta, I was yeah. going to say the same thing. Yeah. It's done. It, yeah. I think it's broken. It's I think yeah, over time it will they're, just they're, like... They're, yeah. Yeah. The Boston Globe was for sale today for pennies on the dollar. You know, the... The, the, that the print world is just forever changed. They they can fight to stem the the change, but it's it's they're all their model is is gone. Uh, so I mean the, the the answer is is digital is the answer. Yep. Yep. Um, the only thing Between, I will say on that front is that these publishers, if there's anything they can do to stop it, they better not let history repeat itself by all committing to Comicsology as if it's the only place. Right. Because right. yeah, it seems wrong. to me like Comicsology really has gotten the leg up over everybody else right now. And I know that a lot of the deals aren't exclusive, but they're clearly many orders of magnitude more influential yeah. right now in terms of reach than any other uh, online distribution mechanism. And so they just – publishers need to be careful. They don't fall into the same and trap in a different medium. But I mean we, we know the Comixology yeah. people yep. and we're friendly with them. But let me ask you a question just playing devil's advocate. Why do we need Comixology? Why can't – with all the money – Marvel has behind it. Why can't they just send set up their own digital distribution scheme? It's not that hard. Well, they they that, that they will work just as well as Marvel's um, physical distribution. That they well, they, why? They why? It's just a pl- it's just a place on the net to go to get comics. It's not like Heroes World was where you know they we've, made a lot we, of mistakes. We, we, yeah. Well, we we've talked about it. Is that we we. Did a comics all depository for comics. We needed a place where you know, you know what? Oh Asian, probably any day and age. It the 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 more difficult that you make it to get, some people will find other things to get. And if you have to go to each publisher. There's website yeah. or their online digital. Uh, you, you need you need a central act. At be go and get pretty much any comic that you want. That's why we need a comicsology. That's why we need. You know, we talked about the iTunes store for comics, and I don't know if it needs to be one place, but the places mm-hmm. that need to offer as much as possible. Yeah, I think Chris is right in the sense that, and so, I would just off soapbox. I would look at uh, web comics as an as indication of that the necessity of that central hub because how many people mention like some webcomic that they think is awesome ourselves included and you just don't remember to go to the site enough to read it right and it's just like if if there you know but if you throw it in your flipboard or you throw it in you know some aggregator where you're just seeing it in your inbox you're much more likely to keep up with it right so i mean i do think you need sort of a central aggregation but i think vince vince is right i mean i think dc and marvel 
have the influence and the reach to that they could they could have their own and they do have their own apps obviously which are powered yes. by comics uh, yeah right right um but i mean and, and look I, at itunes uh, in terms of music dude did you not get your like yet why am i shitty yeah you just started getting crackling <laughs> And we are joined now by a fellow Chicagoan and uh, an awesome comic book creator that uh, hopefully you've heard about because we've talked about him a lot on the show, Mr. Ryan Brown. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Well, not as good as you who <laughs> you're like, Chris, get me on the show. I, I'm worried about this Kickstarter. I hope oh, it's successful. I'm still In worried. 23 hours? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, yeah. Are you just coming on to talk about stretch goals now, or? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Let him. I want that spot varnish. Oh, nice. Yeah, right? Oh, it's so awesome. I. It's going to be the first time I think maybe ever that a spot UV coating has been used entirely for humor. I love it. Oh, no. I love it. Uh, all the mustaches are going to have a spot gloss to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. I made the file, so hopefully I get to use it. But like one character, just like his middle finger is spot varnished. All the the nice. nipples on one character are spot varnished. So it's 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 gonna be a lot of fun. What a coincidence! Whoa, Vince's what? nipples are spot varnished. Yeah, they're the, spot. It's lacquer. I've been trying to get well, it off. But what we're talking about, in case people are are not in the know, yeah, Ryan is the creator of God Hates Astronauts, which has been one of our favorite web comics and self published comics the last couple of years. And he decided to to stop messing around and and get it out there for anyone that that wanted to buy the um. The, the completely complete hardcover collection, uh, the the completely complete collection of uh, God Hates Astronauts, which he put up on Kickstarter, and the sucker got funded in less than a day. So now we're in stretch goal land. So even though it's funded, I mean, it's completely open. Go out there. Buy the book. It's awesome. You can check it out online uh, uh, beforehand, but it's uh, it's been one of my favorite comics the last couple of years, so that's why... Uh, I'm, One of uh, Ryan is here. I'm trying to figure out which T-shirt I want this time because with Blast Furnace, I got the T-shirt with the PDF. So now I'm I think I already have a shot glass that says "God Hates Astronauts" that that Ryan gave me at C2E2 one year, uh-huh. and um, spoke to you for a little bit at uh, New York Comic Con in October when you were uh, we were talking about Blast Furnace a little bit, and you reminded me that. I still had the link in my email to get the PDF, and I hadn't downloaded it yet. But I, I'm, I'm looking at the three T-shirt designs, and I'm pretty sure I know which one I'm leaning towards. But what's really neat is that there's actually a level where you can get all three T-shirts. Yeah, right. That is what, pretty cool. Aren't you going to tell us which one you, which one you want? I don't. I, I'm curious. I think <sighs> I think there's only one cho- one real choice. Which one? Okay. The Carl Winslow. You got to get that T-shirt. I, yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I, I do like that one. I do like that one, so it is kind of a toss-up between the first and third option. I think um, I think almost everyone's going to get the Gnarled Winslow one. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, that's the one I want. <laughs> it's also going to be the most expensive to produce, but you know, hey, it's fine. It's your work. Can you see them on the on the Kickstarter page? Yeah, yes. they're all on the Kickstarter page. Yep. Actually, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'
because mm-hmm. it, it the Kickstarter app is pretty neat on on the iPhone. It, it breaks everything down. First page is is the uh, the first screen gives you the the different levels you can back, and then you you there's updates and details. And when you click details, that breaks down how the covers are going to look, what kind of original art and pinups and things like that. So yeah, you but but yes, all three you can look at all three shirts on the website. No, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the page right now, and you know, Ryan, we've we've you. Know, I've been, you know, able to, to talk to each other and, and known each other for the last couple of years. And I, and I know that, that this has really been a, a labor of love of your since the very beginning. And, and it's, it's a project like a lot of creators that, you know, it's, it's their, you know, it's their, their love and you're very close to it. And I think one of the frustrations that you've had is that, you know, it's, it, is is getting publishers to love this and i and and you you haven't been shown a lot of love in, in the past so to have this be available through kickstarter which i think kickstarter is one of the greatest things to happen to indie comics maybe sure. you know it's, it's yeah. like the, the I mean, black and if, white if boom only someone had said that a few years ago before anyone i know i know ah. <laughs> you were, were on, on it. I love it. so uh, how how redeeming is it to you to now what two days in and you're already ten thousand dollars past your original goal i mean is there is there some sort of like gratification of you know what it is good god damn it now i know it you know at least you know you know what i mean yeah i i guess the gratification is i mean i always knew it was good because of the reaction i get from people uh, it's not a book that i've ever shown someone and they have read it and didn't like it uh, and then, and with publishers, it was always a frustrating thing because so frequently I would befriend publishers through this book, mm-hmm. but they would tell me there was no market for it and it would not sell. <laughs> and that, uh, you know, the, the people that like superhero comics do not like humor books, uh, and vice versa. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just felt like uh, time and time again, I would just go to comic shows and I would, I would prove everyone wrong. Um, by by selling so many copies of the book, and it and it really became uh, like a cult thing. Um, and you know the the frustrating the, the big frustration is I've been doing it for six years, and uh, you know I've got eighty pages of story, which is yeah. oh, you know I mean almost nothing really for that amount of time because I've quit the book several times, and you spend so much time promoting and self publishing, and you know waste so much time trying to convince people to. To, to read it or to, to publish it for you, um, that it just, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that it maintains being fun all the way through, but it certainly wasn't fun to make it for, you know, a large chunks of it, you know, <laughs> sure, and, sure. Uh, right. just because of how frustrating it was. And so, well, the, I uh, mean, the book, the book itself, I mean, it defies category. It's, it's, it's a, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a funny book, but I wouldn't, necessarily classify it as a straight humor book i mean it's it's definitely funny and it's offbeat it's it's just it's a quirky quirky book i i and i love it and that's what i and i mean that as a as a compliment is that it's really hard to classify the book yeah yeah and i and i think that's been kind of a curse for the book in terms of um people people uh, you know other than me wanting to invest in it um because it's it's not easy to sum up to people, and people always ask me, "What does the title mean? What is the book about?" <laughs> and you know, it's it's not really about anything. I mean, it's 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 
it's like Seinfeld and Simpsons and, you know, like, I, I feel like most of my story references are, uh, you know, swiping from various, like, comedies and stuff like that. Um, well, I mean, that, that's a good place to start, and I think it, it really does um, sum up the book, and that's kind of the the, the point of it. It, it. Explain to people why it's called God Hates Astronauts, because it doesn't really have anything to do with the story. Yeah, I mean, that's no, not a description of it. Yeah, no, over over time, uh, that was just a name I'd come up with um, back in, you know, like 2006 maybe. I did a, I did an illustration of an angel kicking an astronaut in the face and his, you know, his helmet exploding. And she, and she was wearing a shirt that said, God hates astronauts. Um, and I just kind of, I just kind of thought it was fun. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a, a parody, of, you know, kind of ridiculous parody of, you know, using religion for hatred and also just kind of it also was like science versus religion so i thought it was just kind of like fun and uh well and why would god hate an astronaut you know i think is a great <laughs> well because you know if god made man and then uh said man spent all his time figuring out how to leave the earth uh you know maybe he would hate him i don't know it, yeah. it doesn't really make any sense but it completely captures the tone of the book because sure. it's it's ridiculous, but it makes you think. And and the book has some really ridiculous parts to it. But you know you have to. It, it's not um, it's not a it's not a brainless interaction. I, it, there there's some. It's it's a very very clever book, and it keeps you on your toes with the humor. And that's why I enjoy it so much i know like chris burnham it he'll say that it's the the best book that you've you know uh, that you've never read uh, you know to people that haven't read it and and chris picks up on on the cleverness of it so yeah Yeah, just to take what chris said a little tiny bit further when he was talking about the quirkiness of the book that's the thing i I love most about it uh aside from the the beautiful drawing is that it's so stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. to the point where the the hand of the author or or the that that perception the reader can have that maybe there's you know that there is a human being at work behind the scenes on this that disappears it's almost as if the characters are determining where like like you just sit back and let these characters determine where the story's going because it's so unhinged you can't really tie down where the thing is going because mm-hmm. there's no possible way to do that it's just so left field that it, you, the author just evaporates and these characters just take over that's awesome you don't it, yeah you have you know bare knuckle boxing john sullivan who he fights bears i mean hello yeah, it's just like you're sticking your tongue down the silver age down the throat right down the throat yeah. of the yeah. silver age. you know it's it's uh it's one of those things that I feel like when I when we look back at the five years we're doing the show, like the thing, the things that really like, resonate with me now are like are, are stories like this and 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 you know stuff by like Jim Rugg and just just like unbridled creativity or like yeah, Brandon Graham right. that we talked about before Ryan jumped on, like you know just 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 you guys that are able to just kind of almost you know let your imaginations run wild and in a way it's like um, it kind of rails against the the tropes that so many of us were caught up in and, and really cut our teeth in for decades in comics, right? Which is like this continuity-laden, formulaic world where like the rules were as important to us as the as the story, and that's kind of like at some point you kind of get frustrated with that, and this is 
There are no rules other than whatever right. comes to your mind. But aren't you noticing the shift? There's yeah, a, absolutely. There's a that's huge what I mean. shift and that, and of, of going on right now. That's resonating with, you know, with me personally. It seems with us collectively, with our audience. Like it just seems like that's, uh, you know, that's it's a nice trend, and I hope it's a trend and not, you know, ju- not just a, a sort of a one-off thing. Yeah. And all that said, it has to be good, right? I mean, the thing that Ryan does well is you make it funny, and you're also yeah. a good cartoonist. So I mean, it has to, you know, it, it's not. It's not just the novelty of it, but it's the fact that you deliver it in a package that's visually appealing as well as well written. Yeah. Oh, Georgia agrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I do think that there's a lot. There's a lot um, to what you're saying in, t- in terms of me making it as a reaction against comics that are, that are being produced and were being produced when when I started the book. Um, you know, and and kind of just a total frustration with. Um, you know, story decompression and, uh, you know, just slow, you know, let, let's have superheroes who are having conversations with each other, you know, in plain clothes for an entire issue kind of thing. Uh, and, <laughs> and just like, amen, brother, you know, the huge <laughs> crossovers and tie-ins and stuff like that. And I was just like, man, I just, I really, I really miss comics being fun. And, uh, and, and and then I got to a point where I was spending all this I time. I just totally with, heard the L train go by your house, didn't I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, stu- <laughs> my studio is, like, right by the train. <laughs> I know that sound well. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um, but but I, I just, I really wanted to make a comic that was fun, where, where stuff happened and it was fun and it, and it didn't have to be realistic and it didn't have to be dark and it didn't have to be, you know, overly intense. Um and and then so I guess the entire book is like a reaction to spending years doing pencil submissions, uh, you know, where I'm trying to draw a Spider-Man, you know, webbing some you know mugger up or whatever in a, in a city <laughs> in five pages, like over and over again. Um, or it's just like you know, s- screw it. I just I just want to I just I want to draw comics because I want to tell stories and I want to make people laugh. And here goes this comic, and then everyone's going to tell me that nobody wants to read it. Uh, even though everyone likes it, so sure. very strange, um, yeah. strange idea. And and I, I, I love humor comics, and they kind of don't exist. I mean, they do exist, but they're hard to find, and the ones that do are not super successful. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I see. I see some. I see some comparisons with um, you. One one of the guys that is is in the the collected edition because a lot of people did supplemental stories and pinups and that kind of stuff. And another guy that that you were talking with uh, kind of extensively on on Twitter the other day. You know, I I, I look at at some comparisons between um, Tom Scholey mm-hmm. and your work and Eric Larson. I see a lot of if not in style, I think that you and Larson have this singular vision in like this is my creation. This is my this is my book and I'm going to do this book until I die. If right. you know, it, yeah, and I I I definitely like it's kind of an obsessive thing. Um you know, it's kind of like I'm going to do it even if you aren't reading it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, you hope that people read it, but uh, like I'm making a, I, I make a book that I, that makes me laugh. Like I laugh while I'm drawing it. I laugh while I'm <laughs> writing it. And so that's, that's part of the fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a debate on Twitter with Larson who, you know, enjoys the book, but, um, you know, just thinks that it wouldn't have an audience in comics. He stores. enjoys the book, but won't publish it. 
Yeah, no, he won't publish it because he doesn't think he doesn't think about selling comic stores. He doesn't yeah. think that um, you know the people that shop at comic shops are a very different audience than will read comics on the web, which is true. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very different experience shopping in a store than um, selling to people at a comic convention, which is also true. Yeah, um, it's no but, freak force, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, w- I was going to ask you that. You know, I was um, I was talking with Sal today, and, we- and we're both really happy about the success of the Kickstarter campaign. And it's like, okay, what you know, what happens after this? Say it's you know, you reach all your stretch goals, and you, you stole my thunder. And, the, and, the, and then you're <laughs> sorry, and then you're no, no, it's exactly okay, right. Yeah, but you ask it because I've been yammering. You you asking the question? No, no you well, dude, you know, I mean, you're, that you just you said it. I mean, now that you know you you were funded in a day, and and by all accounts, I mean. You know, we've got almost a month left of the Kickstarter, so you're, you know, knock on wood, you're going to have a end up with a much higher total number than this. Like, what's next, Ryan? Like, what do you? This this should give you some, you know, flexibility both in terms of affirmation and reach and notoriety, but also some financial cushion. So, so what? What you know? What if this is as successful as we suspect it will be based on the early days returns? Like, what's what's next? What do you have planned? Um, well, the funny thing is, is what I have planned is drawing horror comics every day. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, because I, I I got the job of drawing uh, Bedlam with uh, Nick Spencer because mm-hmm. I'm going to be taking over for Riley Rosmo. So, uh, and that's an ongoing thing. So, uh, totally changing gears. I'm a big horror fan too. So, uh, but it's kind of strange timing with um, God hates astronauts finally not losing me money. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was just like, oh, well, you know, and it was the same sort of thing with Blast Furnace, um, the first Kickstarter I did, and I was just like, well, I should do volume two now. Um, but, you know, then, then it's just like, well, that it's, I've got so many other things going on, it's, it's difficult. I mean, obviously, God Hates Astronaut, Astronauts has done really well, and I have about a million story ideas. Um, but I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to get to it again, because uh, now I'm actually doing books that are in stores and people yeah, right, right. are reading, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I was thinking about it today and I would love to do a volume two, you know, I, I would love to, uh, I mean, that, that's the thing, like I'm still releasing it, you know, if I do a graphic novel, but you know, if I try and do another thing that's, you know, hundred plus pages, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to take me several years to do. Um, and while I'm producing it, I'm not, you know, if I'm releasing on the web, like it's not generating me any money. Sure. Um, so, you know, whereas this Kickstarter has been really successful so far, so much of that money is being invested in the actual product. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'm going to be living off of this, you know, for a year to be able to produce <laughs> a new version or anything. You know? Yeah. Uh, but that said. I'm going to be sitting on stacks of the book that I, you know, I've always wanted to be released and I'm going to be, you know, trying to sell it in stores and soliciting through Diamond and stuff. Um, stacks of Benjamins too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, well, the thing is, 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 I mean, you know, it's, first of all, congratulations on Bedlam. That's great news. But, but Thanks. when you go to, you know, you sort of, like you said, you're getting the chance to illustrate a book that's, that's in stores now. Um, but you know, presumably your passion for not only creating your own stuff, but also writing is not going to go away. So, I mean, it, it's fair to say you probably, even if it's at a slower pace, you're going to probably do something at least on the side, right. To keep, 
I mean, you, you don't want to just stop writing for yourself, right? I mean, is that do you consider yourself as much wanting to be a writer as you as you are an illustrator? Um, I guess I've never really considered myself to be a writer as much as just a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when I, when I sat down to try, when I sat down to try and write the essays and stuff in the in the God Hates Astronauts hardcover, it was kind of a nightmare. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, but in term in terms of just coming up with ideas and plotting, I mean that's what that's what Blast Furnace was. I did Blast Furnace when I had the job doing Smoke and Mirrors for IDW. Yeah, um, and uh, I could see myself totally doing Blast Furnace uh, Volume Two like that. I mean, I've already got you know like twenty four pages for the next volume of Blast Furnace, but um, in terms of like the first first volume, I did six months straight. Um, so yeah, so something like that will probably arise. I definitely am happiest when I'm making stuff up and, you know, being silly and making myself laugh. Um, but I've also, I'm also reasonably burned out from self-publishing. Sure, uh, sure. You think? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mean, for example, I, I drew today, I drew a picture today for like the first time in like really a month and a half, uh, which is like really strange you know the amount of time i spent like doing graphic design coloring lettering you know coordinating the book um you know all that kind of stuff which it just kind of burned me out and i'm really excited uh i just got this script for a new issue of manhattan projects i'm drawing and uh nice. like, I, just, I just can't ah. i just can't wait to draw it you know, Dude, you're I like just... singing my this is music to my ears here sweet <laughs> Yeah, Manhattan Project is awesome. But I, is. I drew issue ten, which comes out next month, and then now I'm drawing yeah, issue yeah, yeah. fifteen, um, which is totally. I mean, it's awesome. Like, how you like working with Hickman? It's great. It's great, yeah. and I and I know he's writing these scripts to play to my strengths. Um, I was going to say, are his scripts as meticulous as I imagine them to be? Nope, not at all. No. Yeah, no. He's he's super open to uh, being flexible. Wow. Uh, he leaves a lot of it open. You know. With with issue ten, I threw in a ton of ideas that I had, um, and then when I read the final lettered pages, like he was incorporating little tweaks and ideas and details that I had drawn into his actual script, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was very very collaborative um, effort with him, and I now, know that's how he works with Nick too. Did, yeah, I was gonna say, did you know Jonathan, or is it via like being friends with? Are you friends with Nick? That like, how'd you end up hooking up with him? Um, it's it's all through Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Nick, Nick had found uh, God Hates Astronauts a while ago, and he he and I had become friends because of the mutual admiration of each other's work. Um, and when it came time that he was starting to fall behind, he needed a uh, a fill-in artist, and so he picked me to do it, and I did a bunch of sample drawings. Uh, and Hickman picked a couple other people, and then Nick kind of bullied him till Hickman <laughs> said, "All right." He can do it, but if he screws up, I'm picking the next villain. Um, and then I didn't screw up, so that's here great. I am doing another one. Well, I mean, as someone who's backed a shit ton, pardon my French, of uh, of Kickstarter <laughs> projects, I got to tell you, I mean, um, your your campaign is nearly flawless, and I have to think that that helped you in your you know your success. I mean, it it you have tons of visuals, um, you. State the stretch goals. It's funny. It's well written. You show the the you made it clear the product is finished, which is a huge deal for a lot of people. Yeah, because that was a, that was a big deal for me. That's yeah, that it's was a great... my number one thing, um, and it's why I mean I it's taken about eight months to put together this book, mm-hmm. um, 
and I, I you know, I backed several things on Kickstarter, which I still don't have. And oh yeah, me too. I feel like that's <laughs> it's not taking a toll on Kickstarter yet, but I feel like at some point it could. Yeah, um, yeah. And well, so Greg, I wanted, I wanted to you know basically promise people, hey, we're going to press. And actually, I sent the book to press today. Uh, wow. wow. <laughs> so well, let's hope that $10,000 worth of people don't back out. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of scary because you're sending stuff to press. Uh, is there, you know, a, the possibility of a second printing in, in the works then maybe? Uh, I upped my numbers after the first day that I was ordering. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you know, if, if it gets, if it gets, if it's because you know the Kickstarters will just slowly slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, and then maybe on the last couple of days they'll pick up again. Um, but uh, you know, I was originally going to get fifteen hundred copies. Um, you know, in a, of a hundred eighty page hardcover book, that's like really hard to store. Um, yeah, which is like the big concern. I mean, if I had it my way, like once you start ordering a ton of copies, uh, the price goes way down. Just uh, have it. Just send it to Chris's house. He's got the room. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep it in my bedroom. My wife will fucking love that. building furniture out of the boxes. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, oh, so and I by think- the way, the, I've decided that I want the... David said that everyone's going to want the uh, the gnarled Winslow um, shirt. I want, I want the uh, the um, the Starfighter shirt. That's the one I'm okay. thinking about getting, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah I'm thinking Starfighter shirt. Cool. It, the other thing, too, that you, you have in this, which is awesome, is you, you have these two-page... Uh, origin stories for different characters by a bunch of kick-ass other creators. I mean, Trad Moore, Tim Seeley, Chris Mitten, uh, Charles Paul Wilson, who's local guy, Jersey guy, absolutely adore. Uh, Summer Hillary and, Barta. Yep, Hillary Barta, Jenny Frizen, Tom Scholey, another buddy of ours, uh, Nick Patara, your friend, and of course the the regular ongoing artist, uh, Xander Cannon, who David is a huge fan of uh, his webcomic, if I'm not mistaken. A uh, bunch of other guys, Sean Dove, and uh, so it's it's just great, man. It's it's like like I said, you as far as campaigns go, like I think you nailed it. And so, how much studying of other people's campaigns went into this, or is it just you know, did you kind of just have a sixth sense for it? Because it feels like you really had a well constructed campaign. Um, well, the the earlier the earlier campaign I did for Blast Furnace mm-hmm. was entirely a test run for this campaign. Um, it it wasn't it wasn't that. You know, I didn't like Blast Furnace, but um, you know, it, it wasn't a successful book. Like, I it, people weren't reading it online. Um, you know, the mini comics that I was selling at shows, nobody was buying them. Uh, so that was kind of like, all right, uh, you know, it's black and white. It'll be very cheap to print. Um, so I set that up as just like, let's see what happens. Um, so I didn't really do much press. I didn't really. You know, calling any favors or anything. Um, I just kind of set it out there to get a vibe of what would happen and what the Kickstarter community was like. Um, and you know, I learned about shipping. I learned about international orders. I learned about where all your orders come from. Um, so it was just like a it was like a, a big test for me. Um, you know, dealing with everybody on Kickstarter and and how to make everyone happy. Um, and uh, and 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 I, and I think it was reasonably successful for um you know for a test run so so with with this one, I wanted to basically use everything I'd learned um and then I you know had several uh Kickstarters saved that I was looking at while I was building my my pledge page and um and then I just decided to try and make it as fun as possible 
um, and really advertise what I had. I mean, the, the great thing was having the book done meant that right. I knew what the product was going to be and I knew who was involved. I knew I had all my visuals finished so I could show a ton. I mean, I had to pick and choose, you know, here and there to figure out what actually to show because um, I have so much. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, again, as, as I think we talked about before we started recording, I mean, I I, I, put, I backed your blast furnace as well. And, you you know, to your earlier point about Kickstarter sometimes having delivery issues, I mean, I, you know, I've, I received your book already long, long ago. And it's, you know, there's many projects I've backed months before your for blast furnace <laughs> that I'm still waiting for. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, that I think that's the other key is engendering goodwill that way too. So I haven't gotten mine yet, but that's because I told him I was going to pick it up in person. So oh, well, there you we go. keep, keep threatening each other with a beer, you know, it's, <laughs> well, you know, we're waiting until baseball season, but the problem right. is that, is that Brian, uh, or Brian is that Ryan is a, uh, Detroit Tigers fan. So oh, we have to, if I'd have known yeah. that, I wouldn't have allowed this interview. I would have, ah, this interview. I know, I know. So, so we got to figure, we got to figure out, uh, uh, a time and place to watch a Cardinal game. And you and freaking Stegman, what's up with you guys? Yeah. They're Michiganders. Well, that's, that's our bond. That's our bond. Ugh, goodness. <laughs> they're, they're Michiganders. That's Nothing right. Nothing gets Vince ready to talk like baseball. Let's Don't talk about Vince. baseball for the rest of the episode. Just <laughs> Let's go. Fired up. Talk about it. Let's go. Hey, one 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 thing that I want to talk about, and and we've mentioned it before, is your use of sound effects, and I think it's one of your, um, I think it's one of your staples. I think it's one of your, it's one of your signature moves, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> is that um, I think a lot of creators have have gotten to the point that they take comics so seriously that they've forgotten how to use the medium, and you have so much fun with sound effects in your comics that it it is using the medium as it's meant and designed to be used um what are your what are your feelings what's kind of your thought process whenever you start laying down sound effects um well sound sound effects uh i think are reasonably obvious at least to me um you know i just i just kind of hear them when i'm drawing something or other times it's like a stupid, stupid pun, uh, or it's like an over, is it an, an extreme over descriptor that I'm just like, wouldn't it be funny if we just kind of like did a Chris Claremont where you know like an action is happening and then the di- the dialogue on the page it tells you the action that's happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's that it's that kind of stuff. Um, because you know. It's really strange that people don't use sound effects frequently because I I mean it's like. It's part of, um, you know, it, it's part of the it's language. Part of the language, comics. yeah. It is. I mean, and just like thought balloons, thought balloons are almost completely gone from comics. Um, yeah. And 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 I don't use them really, but you know, I should start because uh, they're fun. I mean, you can do really fun things. I mean, it's it's visual. I mean, people get so caught up on you know making it cinematic and you know making it realistic, but you know when it's drawings on a page, uh, you know. You can't you can't hear it. You need to you need to communicate. It's, it's part of the communication. There's um, there's there's a page that, and I just sent you the email that that if you still have it, I'm going to buy from you. And and in order, the sound effects in this fight scene are crack, cocaine, fridge, snack, pit, pot, poke, punch, punch, pants, pinch, blurg, bitch, and magic. <laughs> Those are sound effects. Now, damn it, that is awesome. 
<laughs> no question. Isn't Blagojevich on that page? Blagoj- Let me see here. Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, God, it is Blagojevich. Hilarious. <laughs> you disgraced, yeah. Governor. Not disgraced, <laughs> incarcerated. I'm going to huh. slap a beat behind Chris's little sound effects. Yeah, show. no doubt. It was like the RZA awesome. right there, the RZA. Yeah. The RZA. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. But yeah, you know, I know I love it. It's um, you know, there's another one on the on the the facing page is you know two characters uh, you know uh, passionately kissing, and the the sound effect is passion on it. You know, for, it's right. you know it's just these these fantastic uh, literal. So stupid. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. But I love so it. Brilliant. I love and, it. Yeah, it's it's the literal sound effects, and you're the only person that I see using them. You, you'll you'll see it sparingly. Van Linty, uh, uh, Hillary, yeah, Hillary Bardo. Yeah. Oh, Van Linty. Hillary Bardo will use it on um, uh, on on occasion. He uh, 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 there was a. I'm not even going to say it is because it was it was a little off color, but it, it, Hill <laughs> Hill will be Hill will be very creative in his in his sound effects. So I know that's one of the reasons that uh, that he likes your work as well. So yeah. I mean, I just re- I mean, the Pock and Van Lenthe had awesome sound effects in uh, in Hercules. That was one of the things mm-hmm. I most remember about that book. They were great about that. It's funny you bring up sound effects, Chris, because today uh, on Twitter, um, you may have seen Jason Aaron was like soliciting opinions from his followers about what the sound effect should be for a scene he's doing where a shark slams into a boat and uh, the winner apparently was uh, Sharkoom. Ah, so. Nice. Nice. It's good. The, uh, the sound effects for me, actually, I'm basically stealing the idea from Rob Schraub and Scud. Uh, which uh, you're which a huge me, Scud fan. Oh yeah, yeah huge Scud fan. Um, and that I, that I think is like one of the most obvious and uh, sometimes shameless uses of scudisms. Uh, sure, like, I could see like that. the fact you know the, the whole suggested voice talent uh, section is entirely from Scud, uh, and the use of sound effects is entirely from Scud, um, and the just kind of surreal, weird combining of various you know objects to make a character kind of thing is 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 from Scud. Um, you know, I, I started reading Scud, and I, I liked it, and then set it down, and didn't revisit it. Do I? I guess, I'm assuming that I should go back. And oh, uh, it's great! It's great. It is great. It is. I've read it recently, like a couple of years ago, and it's reasonably juvenile and kind of dated. Not to be too mean to Scud. Yeah, uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Because it, it, it's well, a lot it's, of Quentin yeah. Tarantino is right. the coolest person in the world, kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but I mean, just the invention in it is fantastic. I mean, there's there's not too much to the story, but the invention is just awesome and the sense of fun. Um, yeah, because I mean, you've got you've got a little bit of of original art hanging up in your house, and there's a scud scud page that you're particularly um, proud of. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you know I know that's one of your one of your big ones. It's um, yeah that that and your uh, your your Jeff Darrow piece of original art, which is one of my favorite stories. Do you want to tell that story or no? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> okay. There's Brian, a really there's a really fun Jeff Darrow story, but uh, we'll, we'll say yeah we'll say yeah. we'll say for C two E two. You're gonna be there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That that's that's when the hardcover will debut. Nice C two E two. Oh, the, God, that's awesome. 
Ryan, if you're a fan of Scud, uh, you, you should, if you haven't already, you should check out um, another uh, friend of ours and another creator. Uh, Julian Lytle does a webcomic uh, called Ants, and uh, it's it's very evocative of Scud, uh, I think, visually, and and it's uh, it's it's very much it's a it's his sort of look into current events in pop culture um, with kind of like a like a, a hip hop flavor to it. But but it's uh, again, I just think people that are fans of Scud, I always point. Point out ants to them. It's uh, you can. It's I think if you just Google ants a n t s and Julian Lytle, you'll get it. But it's uh, it's probably up your alley if you're a Scud fan. So that sounds hopeful, great. And hopefully Julian comes out to C two E two because he was wanting to go to Harold's Chicken Shack. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So so Ryan, if you're going to be, I, I mean, I assumed you would be a C two E two, but would you be theoretically interested in participating in a panel about Kickstarter if someone that you knew was hosting one? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, All right. Well, as it turns out, this guy right here is hosting a panel. <laughs> what a coincidence. What a, <laughs> oh, my Quinky-dink. gosh. What a quinky Although, you know, I might not be able to I, – I may have to rescind the invite because I already have Stegman on the panel, and he's a Tigers fan. and I don't know if I'm allowed to be outnumbered on my own oh, Plus, plus Stegman's ego. I mean, is there going to be room for anybody plus well, Ryan? It is on an auditorium, David. I've built a – Still. Pod. I've asked them to build a platform so Stegman can sit on a throne above everyone else so he can feel like he... he you know, just dude, what, what, what you really need to do, you need to give like everyone else a regular um, chair to sit on and Stegman like a step stool, you know, <laughs> so so he's, he's got to be like at least a foot shorter than everybody That's, else on the panel. Nice. Hey, if you if you if you guys want to bring Stegman down, you should. Uh, <laughs> he had a recent appearance on, uh, on Fox 2 News in Michigan, uh, on the morning show where he uh, was introduced as, as the artist of Spider-Man by a man who clearly had never read a comic book in his life. Uh, <laughs> and it, <laughs> I mean, it's typical, like, local news reporter talking to someone who ha- has never been on a camera before and is really, really uncomfortable. It's a good watch. Does he cry? He gets close. <laughs> That's awesome. Crying Stegman. Cool, man. Well, listen, I'd love to have you on the panel, so I'll reach out to you. I'm mean, going give you the details, but yeah, let's, uh, that'd be great. So Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, cool. Nice. So where else are we going with this? What do you guys want to talk about? Well, what other stuff do you, what, what other kind of things do you dig? I mean, because again, like you, you, obviously you're a fan of, you said horror and, and, and comics. I mean, are you, are you too busy to read comics regularly or do you read a bunch yeah. of stuff? Pretty much. I mean, it's it's kind of sad how little I read comics, um, mm-hmm. and and now I mean I I barely touch anything with superheroes in it. Uh, almost everything I buy is either Dark Horse or, or Image, and uh, yeah, I, I mean I, I really don't read very much at all. Like I don't I don't have time. I like too many things, I guess, yeah. um, and that's that's kind of a problem. Like. I just you know every every single day is just a struggle to fit everything in, um, but you know it's an awesome struggle. You know it's it's really really fun. I love I love being interested in so much stuff. You know, um, so yeah. And now and now that I've got some regular regular work, like the amount of work that I'll be doing will be you know the hours I work will be longer and longer. So um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't know. I mean it's a sh- it's a shame. Like I love I love film. I love TV. I love music. I love baseball. You know, toys and you know all, all sorts of nerdy, kind of weird stuff. What about um, fantasy baseball? Yes, yeah. definitely. I've been, nice. I've, I've been oh. thinking about. I've been thinking about my draft for like months now. You know, you know what we need to do, Jason. I'm thinking we do. 
I'm thinking we do. So, so Ryan, I think that you need to uh, take our uh, our our guest star spot in the uh, the uh, eleven o'clock fantasy baseball league this year. The eleven o sluggers. Eleven o sluggers. <laughs> oh man, two leagues. I don't know if I can handle that. Oh come on, man come on, up, dude. little bitch. Is it a, keep, on, is it a keeper Ryan. league? No, no, it's not no, a keeper no. league. Straight It'll up redraft, five by five. How many uh, how many teams? Well, we have, it depends. We have an AL only, an NL only, and a in a mixed. So, if you're an AL guy and you do the AL only, there'd be uh, probably eleven teams. Okay. Well, Rota. we can talk. We we can talk about it. We can we'll sell you on it. We'll sell yeah. you. On it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you would. I think you would like it. And the uh, the uh, the forumites are uh, they're 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 kind of a rowdy bunch, but uh, but it, it's all in good fun. I'm yeah. in this year, so. That's we just I don't know this whole Tigers thing them them choking in the World Series it pisses me off because I thought my Cardinals were gonna were gonna sneak in past the Giants and then get destroyed by the by the Tigers and they just didn't show up. I know, I you know I have no sympathy for you, but but I I know <laughs> I know. I well, actually kind of I, I love it when Cardinals lose because their fans have been so spoiled over the years by constant victory. That's how I feel about Yankees fans. Yeah, totally. yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, as a White Sox fan, I have I I, I can say fuck fuck to all y'all. <laughs> oh, man, what are you talking about? You won a World Series recently. Well, do you know? Uh, so about that's. I mean, I guess funny story to me at least. But uh, that World Series win, I was sitting in my home in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. My wife was asleep. My kids were asleep. Uh, as you can imagine, living in New Jersey, I don't have any other friends who are White Sox fans. So I was watching the final game of that World Series by myself in my house late at night, and they won the World Series. And I'm like looking around my house, going, "I should be like at some bar in Chicago celebrating." Like I was like, <laughs> so I actually started a blog that night. I was like, I was so like frustrated, so I just started a blog and like posted. I signed up for a, a, a TypePad account and posted my very first blog post celebrating the White Sox win, and that like started me into being like a blogger and a writer and stuff. Like that just was like it was the impetus was my pent up need wow. to. <laughs> and to this day, as diehard a sports fan as I am, that is the only championship any of my teams has ever given me. Well, so. you're not you're not a Blackhawks fan. Well, I'm from New Jersey, so as 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 Chris gets very frustrated by, I'm a. My my sports uh, allegiances are uh, varied. I I uh, I'm a I'm a Philadelphia Eagles season ticket holder, uh, right. and obviously they've never won, uh, much to my chagrin. Uh, I'm a Phoenix Suns hoops fan, I which is born, that one. born out of the fact that I was a Barkley fan growing up, and then he got traded. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, uh, I I I make fun of hockey incessantly, so it would I would probably get lambasted if I said I was a a Devils fan. But if I were to root for a team or if I do root for a team, it's the Devils. Mm-hmm. Um and baseball again, it's White Sox. And that's mainly a byproduct of the fact that my father was not a sports fan in any way, shape, or form. So I was left to my own devices. And so when I was young I thought Carlton Fisk was the coolest dude ever and I just stuck <laughs> with the White Sox. So gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So a little nothing wrong with that. I still don't yeah. get the the Dan Marley love. Thunder Dan dude? Dude, I tried to kick you off the podcast and have him be our fourth host. I know you would. I know you. Would. Vince is in hell right now. Yeah. Um, yeah on, on t- one of the things that is a huge gold digger fan, Vince. Really? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> That's foul. So Ryan, um, the Shield or the Wire? That's close. I don't know. The Shield is more fun. 
I learned more from watching The Wire. Okay. That's yes, The Wire is educational. The Justified Rock. or Deadwood? Uh, you know... Uh, Don't watch them all. It hurt my heart. Justified, I quit on, and Deadwood, what? I just got the Blu-rays, and I oh, haven't watched it. What? What? How do you, how do you quit on Justified? Oh no! It's this 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 interview is going what? off off the rails, dude. <laughs> I watched two seasons of it. Oh wait, so all right, it's it's how do you it's that 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 hey, that's, that's, that's like two dozen episodes? What do you mean you quit on on? I don't I don't understand what 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 made you stray? What 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 just made you throw your hands up and say to hell with it? Oh uh, well, Raylan was the only character that I cared about. Uh, art? Art? Well, th- sort of. I mean, I feel like nobody really has much of an arc other than, you know, Raylan and, uh, and, and Goggin's character. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's it. That's two health arcs. Yeah. Well, it just didn't work for me. I don't know. Right. I just, I thought it was, I thought it was uninteresting. Hey, everybody. Let's, uh, let's get Don't berate the guest, will you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had this debate with someone recently as well. Apparently, I'm missing something with that show. Yeah. Oh, How so about good. American Horror Story? Uh, I loved the second half of the second season, and nice. I found the first half of the second season to be incredibly depressing and hard to watch. Uh, yeah, it but, was depressing, yeah. But man, the second half, when it starts getting really stylish and stuff really starts moving, I mean, awesome, awesome. Basically, stuff. when Dylan McDermott joins the cast is what you're saying. Right, yeah, basically. Handsomest man alive. Right, and when, and when they finally you know, spend time outside of the, the you know, mental institution. Because you know it's just so impossibly grim up until that point. Did you not watch the first season, or yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. The first season, I enjoyed a lot of it. There was a lot of problems with uh, just why the hell are these characters sticking around? And like, yeah, I agree. They, I agree. They, yeah, they're just you know the writers did not know how to do it, and so they just you know crappy excuses and people making unrealistic decisions and uh, some really cool ideas and really cool story moments, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it was good. I watched the second season. Um, it's kind of fascinating to me. I think the whole show, and you're right, the second season was much more structured. But I feel like the even like the entirety of the first two seasons so far have been more about um, almost like an art house project, like like on like a, a major network art house project where they, yeah. they they just throw all these crazy visuals and ideas about horror tropes at you, and they're fantastic, almost every one of them. But like, there's not really a very cohesive or believable narrative, you know, in the total. But but it's still awesome to watch. It's hard to but they like, are, not. They also know? spin them on their heads. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. So like, which is good. I, so I guess if you're, I, I wonder. Well, I guess you wouldn't watch the show if you weren't a horror fan in general, right? Like, you no, know, someone would randomly choose to watch that if you weren't a horror fan. But I wonder if you weren't familiar enough with some of these horror tropes. If you would appreciate the show as much, but again, I guess that's kind of a moot debate because you probably wouldn't watch the show if you weren't. So, yeah, I mean, for a horror series to use the subgenre of the naughty nun, like the there's a huge yeah, right, ex- right. exploitation um, genre that just focuses on nuns doing very very naughty things, sure. and, and to ha- to have that in the, that when I saw that in the previews where um, she gets on top, that I said, this is for me. Um, but but <laughs> Ryan, uh, let's see where you're coming from in terms of horror. What what are some of your your favorite horror films? Uh, you know, I think number number one usually is John Carpenter's The, the Thing. Oh, uh, oh goodbye. Nice. See ya. Oh, and, uh, and then uh, I put up there uh, the original Evil Dead. Yes. Um, Exorcist three. 
Um, oh, as well nice. as Exorcist 1, um, which if you haven't seen Exorcist 3, it's amazing. It's really uh, good, yeah. I even like 2. I like 2 a lot, too. Uh, no, you're right. It's good. Uh, and I love uh, Sleepaway Camp. Oh, nice. nice. Very uh, good choice. Dude, I just watched Sleepaway Camp 2. Oh, yeah. Pretty different movie, actually. Were you able to follow along? <laughs> the girl, well, it's a girl, and she's supposed to be like a post-op tranny of the of the same guy. Yeah, but well, she's like as feminine and petite as could possibly be. So I don't know how in the world they would have pulled that off. But I, I want to jump in here and tell you a movie that 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 Ryan made me watch at his house one night. By the way, this is the part where Chris keeps trying to assert suddenly that he actually is friends with Ryan on a personal level. Occasionally, <laughs> occasionally. Um, Ginger Dead Man. I did Gary not do Houston. this. It was all you. Wait, Ginger Dead? Ginger so it's like a dead on a yes. on Gingerbread Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ginger Dead Man. It was Sounds terrible. Like a... Someone brought that into my house and put it on while I was having a party. It was Stegman, wasn't it? Nothing to do with it. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it was. I blame I blame Sealy. Uh, burn him. Burn him. Yeah, <laughs> burn more Sealy. I blame Sealy, but yeah, that was that was terrible. Yeah, for sure. And hilarious. I thought yeah, it was I don't... the other day. I was at. Uh, I took my uh, my family into New York over the holiday weekend to uh, do some sightseeing, and we stopped at the uh, the new Forbidden Planet. They they moved to a, another store in Union Square, and it's humongous. It's like one of the biggest comic stores I've ever been in. No but kidding. They huge... What's that? Vince? No kidding. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a really beautiful space. I mean. Kudos to them, but they have, you know, on display now, they have tons of statues and tons of Chogokins, Vince. I was like salivating. Yeah. My wife was like, mm mm. But uh, they have like an entire display of like uh, rare and imported and like mint in box uh, Masters of the Universe figures. And yeah. I can't look at uh, I can't look at those without thinking of, uh, of Sealy and Val Staples. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I don't understand the Masters of the Universe craze. Um, Ask like, Tim I, or Val. <laughs> well, I know. Well, or I, Steve. I'm, uh, yeah, Tim and Steve, his brother. Steve more than Tim. Yeah, Tim oh, really? and his brother I'm good friends with, yeah. and I, you know, to see all their, you know, He-Man figures, I'm just like, man, this show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. Like, they still watch the cartoon and stuff. I don't I don't understand it. Like, I, and I have a great love for many, like, 80s properties. Like, I'm a big Ninja Turtles guy, but... That's you know the show is terrible, <laughs> and oh, I know, the, I know yeah, that. that was one of the one of the saddest yet funniest moments uh, of around comics is that uh, Tim Tim Seeley uh, found out that that Don Glute was going to be at uh, at Dark Tower Comics talking with us, and Don was one of the kind of like writers and and creators of the Masters of the Universe cartoon, and uh, on top of doing. You know a lot of other stuff, like you know Marvel, uh, uh, the Marvel What Ifs, and wrote a lot of stuff for Marvel. And and Sealy found out that he was going to be um, uh, recording with us, and he came and you know sat down, with, just really wanted to get you know like the Masters of the Universe motherload of information. And I think kind of walked away feeling a little disappointed with Don. You know, Don was just like, yeah, it was a gig. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> Yeah, they. You know the reason it's called like Castle Grayskull. You know it's. You know I. It, why is it green? You know I yeah. because they didn't show me a color photo of it, and so I made it Grayskull. You know it was just. It was. I, I think it was. It was sober, soberingly um, mundane to Tim to, to hear about this right. stuff. So, but, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was. It was really kind of funny. 
<laughs> but uh, but sad at the same time. But right. yeah, the the whole uh, what was that? The, Tim got uh, or uh, I think was it either Tim got Steve or Steve got Tim the Wonder Man, uh, He Man. Have you heard of this thing? Yeah, Wonder Bread. Yeah, Wonder Bread. Davis, right? Okay, yeah, the Wonder Bread. Yeah, it's yeah crazy, and, and no one knows where it came from. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, you know Steve's got this amazing knockoff action figure collection, uh, which I, I I've started getting kind of fascinated with knockoffs uh, because Steve has this collection and he just has like here's one uh, no one knows that it is and there's only two known to exist and it's just like some messed up He-Man with a dragon head or something just like really strange <laughs> things from who knows what country kind of stuff. Um, uh, there's like a whole there's a whole collector's realm of you know people that make custom toys that are just built off Masters of the Universe figures sure. um, who you know just collect all these knockoffs all these crazy foreign knockoffs and you know Ninja Turtles of He Man of Transformers all this kind of stuff it's it's really really interesting. Well, Vince, Vince is a big vinyl fan, so you you probably come across some of that stuff right in the forums and stuff. I would imagine. Yeah, I actually. Back in the day, I actually ran a, a website of um, knockoff toys. Get out of here, really? Yeah, yeah, long, long, long time ago. Back during like yeah. the straight up HTML days. Yes, yeah, I have a bunch myself. It, it's it's pretty huge. Yeah, yeah, I follow a bunch of websites on Facebook. It's one that called like Knockoffs of the Universe or something. It's pretty <laughs> comprehensive. Of just you just scroll through and just see the craziest. Deformed, you know, human figures you've ever seen. It's really, really yeah. weird. I can't. I front, left. Like, what's that? The reason why I left was um, the, the very definition of a knockoff toy was a cheaply produced toy that could be bought for you know, inexpensively. Mm-hmm. And when when the knockoffs started going for big bucks, that's when I said, you know, the soul of this is gone because it's just another right, right. fad now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that that's when I pulled out. Yeah. I I can't front. I always. Like had a little bit of like He Man always kind of like st- stuck in my crawl a bit. Like I, I thought it was a little like homoerotic to be honest. Like I don't know. Like it seemed a little weird. Jeez, like, you, you would be correct. You would be little, correct, right? Like yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't, I can't front. Like even as a kid, I'd look at those toys and think like I don't know. Like it doesn't really seems a little I don't know a scans yeah. to me, but to each his own, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was I, robots. <laughs> All right, I'm so so Miscobots. Oh, and, well, don't get Jason started on Mask. Oh, Ooh, I dude, missed I, Mask too. I did a whole three-hour podcast about Mask with uh with another with uh, Sean Pryor on, on his podcast. It was great. <laughs> we, we broke it down like every generation of toy and all the uh, the variants and stuff. That's that's my spot. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so so Ryan, before we wrap up here, um, God hates astronauts. The the Kickstarter has twenty seven days to go, but uh, uh, certainly encourage folks to go there and get their their copy of the of the book, which you can get, get digitally now before it runs out. Yeah, that yeah, sounds I think, like it. Oh, I think upside down version is gone. Oh, uh, is... the baby got backwards edition is gone. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a few of the sideways version. Uh, and then there's a few of the uh, the one I'm most excited about is the um, defaced edition, where nice. I'm just going to treat the book like a men's room wall and just <laughs> take a sharpie and just go crazy on it. Damn, uh, 
I'm really looking forward to doing that. Dude, so help me if my version doesn't come packaged sideways. I expect <laughs> compensation from you. Well, the crazy thing about doing those strange variants is it's the exact same book, just labeled as the Upside Down Edition, and then put in the package Upside Down. Like, that's it. All I'm saying, and- Ryan, is I'm going <laughs> to... It video, be I'm going to videotape my unwrapping of the box. Oh, an unboxed video. Awesome. If it's not sideways, I'm thinking lawsuit. Okay. So well, I'll be, I, I will be fair. labeling all the packages so you can tell which side is all up. Right. Fair so enough. Know. Nice. <laughs> nice. And, and I, went for, uh, I went for the $50 one, which is the, uh, the book and a shirt, which I think is, you know, for, for me... That's uh that that's a perfect match. Where David, you went uh you went I think digital. I'm going with digital digital digital. Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. I kinda have to. Yeah. I know because um Renee is sending me your copy of Salt and Pluggers. You go to sleep thinking that. <laughs> well, we were PMing earlier. She asked me for I my know. Yeah, I know you shouldn't need to ask you for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been, you know, I just need to make sure, you know, all these great Kickstarters that I want, I need to make sure that you order the hardcover and then Renee yeah. finds out about it and sends it to me. Yes, yeah, so you had, and unfortunately, Ryan, you, 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 you hurt me a little bit with, with this campaign because it, it really is a sweet package, but I really can't have any new books in my house. Anymore, so, <laughs> well, how, law. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand. Books definitely take up a lot of room and pile up, but you just uh, need a comic book room, David. I mean, yeah, get one of those. I'm working on it. I'm about to have two thousand books in my room, so that is true. Yeah, but, see, <laughs> but you're at least see when I say yeah, I'm getting rid of it. I I kind of never do. You will be getting rid of right. the books you have in your house. So, yeah. Well, Ryan, if you feel like storing them in New Jersey as a distribution center, you can. I have the space. You can you can put them here in my place. I'll I'll let you. Borrow okay. some space. Yeah, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. All right. um, one one oh. question for you guys. Uh, I I I thought about a lot and I couldn't get a, a consensus either way. Do you prefer a hardcover or a soft cover? Hardcover. 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 Definitely hardcover. 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 Yeah. Okay. Because that was the big thing on whether I should do soft or hard. Because obviously hardcover. It's more expensive to send, and the book itself is more expensive, and you know, thus you have to pledge more, and thus my goal has to be a lot higher uh, to be able to print them out. Uh, whereas some people were just like, I just want to read the book. Um, no hardcover, right? But yeah. and, and so they have the digital option. But I, I think it, it also does depend on the content. It depends on the packaging. It, it, if there's some books yeah. where they don't need. They don't really deserve, I guess I'd say, the hardcover treatment or 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 page marks and 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 things see, like that. I'm of the mind, like especially if it's like a web based project already that like you can consume if you're if you oh yeah it. if you haven't already consumed it but you're interested in it, like you can go to the web and, and it's basically there for you. Right. Like mm-hmm. I want the hardcover because then I'm I'm basically the reason I'm buying it is because I want like an archival version that's gonna that I'm proud to have on my shelf and all reference for years to come. And so to me, that's where the hardcover comes in, man. Like I, I want it to be, you know, I have a library of comic works and I want it to be a library and that's hardcovers, you know? Yeah. Okay. Good. I should have, I should have talked to you guys first. And it's I, always, I, I chose, I chose, I chose, yeah, yeah. You were fully funded in 23 hours. I didn't think, I don't think you really needed to second guess your choices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where this thing goes. And anybody, anybody, um, 
that listens to this and decides to uh, to back Ryan's Kickstarter, which we we certainly one hundred percent encourage you to do. I think um, whenever you send your little message, um, definitely let him know that uh, that you heard about it on on uh, eleven o'clock. Is always a, is always a good thing to do. For sure, I lo- I love I love that Kickstarter allows you to kind of track where where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like like if you just search for it on Kickstarter, like it's gonna it's going to credit that money to Kickstarter. You know that's a that's a Kickstarter backer, not a backer from like Newsarama or you know from my website or something like that. So uh, I'm always curious how people find out about about my stuff. Um, and speaking of uh, finding out about you, you are on Twitter at Ryan Brown Art, and Brown has an E on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I think the most fun is Instagram now for following artists because, um, like, I follow a ton of artists that will just post photos, like process photos of the drawings they're working on, at pencil stages, ink stages. Um, it's like you know, I, I you know, following like like Tony Harris and stuff, like getting to see all his work and 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 you know, as he's working on it, it's really awesome. Um, so yeah, so I would recommend following me on Instagram because that's like because that, that's where I show like a lot of stuff um, as I work on it. Don, cool, nice, cool. nice. Should I do the pitch? Hmm? Do the pitch. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Get your favorite funny books for much, much, much less. Are we going to do any of your travels? Of course. All right. DCBService.com. In your travels. Um, this is a no-brainer, but read Saga because I got caught up over the past couple of days and it every it, it's it's ridiculous how good every issue is it shouldn't be this good but at least not consistently there should be a, a downward trend somewhere in there but there's not every issue of saga is good and get your hands on uh sullivan sluggers because it's incredible it well is. renee's sending me my copy stop <laughs> it no nah, it's not gonna happen i i, I the, ne- the next time we, we see um uh, Stoko, I want to ask him how many hours he dropped into that triple foldout. I haven't even gotten to that yet. The, yeah, there's there's a there's a foldout, and it's just amazing. The details, disgusting in it. Um, so yeah. Now, it, are are you all's copy? Are they hardcovers or softcovers? Yes. Hardcover, slipcase. Okay. okay. Yes. Slipcase. Baby, wow. baby. Yep. I'm the only one of us that didn't back that thing. Well, are you for real? Craziness. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not like Jason. I don't back everything. I don't back everything, dude. By the way, I I only back awesome things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was the thing. I back almost nothing on Kickstarter. I'm that really, I'm very finicky retarded, with, with what. I, I'm, I'm not seeing anything that that lights a fire under me. But I backed God hates astronauts. Boom! As soon as I saw it. This is, this is one of the first thing, if not the first, it's the second thing I backed on Kickstarter. Sullivan Sluggers. I mean, I, I look at the date, and it's it's June 2012 when it was funded, and yeah. it's it's one of the things I've waited the longest for. Well, yeah. what's bananas with uh, God Hates Astronauts is you know you can on Kickstarter you can follow people, and like I would say most campaigns that I've backed like two to maybe four people that I follow like other friends like will have backed it too and you get like an alert when they back it yep. but with this fucking book dude literally I'm in a meet. I'm literally in a meeting at work and like I come out of a meeting a two hour meeting and I like click on my emails and I have like ten fucking things in my inbound for like three hours of Ryan launching and be like 
this person that you followed back this, like Scott Young and Mike Norton. And I was like, God damn, y'all. I'm like, slow your roll. <laughs> Shellax. Like, people aren't you supposed to be drawing right now? How you have time? Uh, like, you should, like, it shows me that all these guys that say they're so busy, all these illustrators, they're lying at their ass because they're surfing Kickstarter in the middle of the afternoon and they should be <laughs> drawing pages. I think it's all Twitter. I think it's just crazy Twitter. Everyone's yeah. on Twitter all the time. Uh, yeah, uh, ourselves included. Truth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm going to um, take a cue from Ryan in my in your travels, and I'm gonna pick back up and jump into uh, Scud, and uh, and read that. Do it. I'm curious what you'll think. Well, you know, then, Chris, we will tag team on it because it's in my I, I I downloaded it. It was it was a gift from um, to me, and uh, actually from Gobo. And it um, and it is uh, it's been sitting in my comicsology shelf for a while. I downloaded it for for the train ride, so I will I will start it probably this weekend, so we can. All right, we can awesome. Let's it. do it. Yes, nice. Uh, all right, so he said, Scud, and uh, and and Vince already said Sullivan Slugger. So I am um, I'm going to. I'll talk about it next week and I will say check it out on on uh, Jason Rubaker's log but I read the first volume of Remind tonight. You got it? I no well I oh, I have the, the digital okay. because um yeah I had and and that's from Travis that's from Night Nurse. He he hooked me up with with Remind for for the holidays. So um I read the first volume and I there are no words. I, I can't wait to read the second volume tomorrow morning. It, it's nice. yeah. The first first volume is. I have no idea where it was going. The art is is gorgeous. I love all the victuals. Is is hilarious. I love Sonia. I I love the, the the world that that that's created with this. It is it is fantastic. It is an amazing piece of work. And and I am I. That was another reason I was toying with the idea of maybe not sticking through the whole night tonight for this episode, and and I was kind of like uh, maybe I'll start volume two, but no, it's it's uh, definitely check it out by Jason Brubaker. Nice. So, uh, guys, we, next week we should def- we should definitely talk. We, I mean, we didn't get to it tonight, but we should talk about the uh, the anime, anime club. club yes, right, some of the other uh, the anime stuff. club. Okay. Right, hey, right, that's right. one of the points in the all book. Right, all, all right, fair right. enough. But in your travels, I gotta, I'm gonna double dip because I wasn't here last week, so I get to do that. Um, first, I gotta give uh, as much as it pains me, I have to give our lovely producer Vince credit. Wow, he was spot on. Speaking of spot varnish, this cover has an awesome spot varnish, and that is um, my first in your travels is written by Mr. John Lehman, uh, illustrated by Mr. John McRae. Uh, published by IDW nice. Mars Attacks Volume One: Attack from Space. Oh, nice! Um, Vince talked about this a decent amount some time ago. It's a, uh, it's just a balls amount of fun. It's a, uh, it's just great. I, you know, I don't want to say it. it's just, it's, it's they, they hit, they hit the right notes in terms of the Mars Attacks, the history yeah. of the book. It's, it looks great. It's a, uh, it's a, it's an awesome story of sort of like this almost groundhogian. Journey that one of the aliens takes as he keeps coming back to Earth and getting just this close to being killed, but he keeps coming back and gets promoted and over time. Um, just thought it was terrific. So and thanks. giant fleas. Yeah, thanks to Vince for 
I wouldn't have pre-ordered this if it weren't for Vince praising it. Praising nice. it so. um, and then for it's ironic that earlier I talked about porn comics. Then I'm gonna sw- I'm gonna totally go in the other direction here uh, and say in your travels if you if you have children and want to read something all ages, um, I would recommend uh, Darth Vader and Son by Jeffrey Brown. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, when I was also uh, at the Forbidden Planet is literally like two two stores down in Union Square from uh, the Strand, which is an astoundingly awesome bookstore for those that don't yeah. don't know the the store. It's it's an amazing. I could spend days in there. It's just this fantastic throwback bookstore that has paper, f- literally wall to wall, ceiling to floor, and um, they have every imaginable book from from import books to academic books to comics to everything and uh we were just kind of meandering around there waiting for our dinner reservation and uh my oldest son stumbled across a uh, a copy of Darth Vader and Son and was like totally fascinated that it existed and uh now to be honest the strand was charging cover price and I said whoa hold on a second I said I can get this from our friends at in stock trades on the cheap so so I had pre-ordered it I mean I so I had ordered it after that and it came this today and I read it to them before bed and uh it's just wonderfully sweet, you know. It's uh, it's if if you are a father, it is just I don't know how you can't almost tear up reading it because it's uh, it's just this cute little geeky look into what it's what it's really like little vignettes of being a father with a son, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So, kudos yeah. to Jeffrey on 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 that work, and he actually just put out um, I don't think it's out yet, but it's been solicited a a a a daughter version, uh, featuring Princess Leia. So. Uh-huh. Do do you know what uh, how that book came about? I'm just I curious. Did he did he submit that idea? I mean that it's I, I don't know. Do you, Chris? I, I don't know. No. It's no. it's. I mean, it's published by Lucas Books. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, it's 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 got their backing. Yeah, and it's very right. much. I mean, it's if if people are familiar with Jeffrey Brown's work, it's it's definitely in that vein. But it's just very sweet and innocent, and um and it's just like one page, almost like Far Side. Vignettes about Darth Vader and little baby Luke Scott, well, little toddler Luke Scott. Well, he's doing he's doing a sequel, right? <laughs> um, yes, in fact, as I just mentioned about. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Twenty yes, seconds yes. ago, yeah, he's sorry. doing one with Leia. But uh, is, is, isn't it strange to be like this super indie dude who doesn't really work on any you know licensed properties to all of a sudden doing a book with like the licensed property? Yeah. Like, well, I'm, if I'm if you want to. If you want to know a little secret about Jeffrey, is that he is actually one of the the biggest like superhero comic book nerds you'll run into. Uh-huh. Loves, yeah, big Marvel fan. It's, I mean, he's, it's, uh, you know, he's got this perception of of being, you know, the you know indie darling, but you know, he's a huge, huge sci fi nerd huge comic book nerd of of all genres and it's yeah it's it's really kind of it's it's very very interesting to talk to him about it but no i think he was kind of kind of um blown away by the success of the book so yeah yeah and i'm sorry jason i was i was distracted because i was reading some of the eoc live tweets i was i should have been paying attention to you we had some great questions and i i didn't fall asleep i didn't fall and i wanted to remind everyone that we love the EOC live tweets but because we had a guest this week and mm-hmm. had to and you were back after being off for a week yeah, that baby. we will get to some of these questions next week and have another EOC live tweet so I'm well, sorry I drifted off yes there's going to be the Darth, 
Yeah, I'm hey, sorry. hey, Ryan, did sorry. you? I mean, I know you said you aren't reading that much, so I don't know if you have anything. You it could be a something you think people should watch. It could be something you think people should read uh, prose wise. Anything you think is float your I, boat right now? I just finished reading the third Parker uh, adaptation. Ah, nice. Yeah. Um, which you know, I I don't know why it took me so long to read the third one. I'm a Darwin Cook's one of my favorites, um, and man, it was awesome. I mean, just so so yeah, awesome. It was. It was um, awesome. One of our favorites. I just, yeah, I just can't. I cannot believe his level of storytelling. Um, it's just the the book is such an easy read, and it's so fun, and so complex, and the visuals are complex, even though they're like very simply drawn. Um, and reads just, like reads like a movie, doesn't it? It really does. It, yeah, it's such a great. shame that that Parker movie wasn't anything like. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I don't know of the movie like that you speak. talk about. I yeah, say, I, I barely know it exists. Yeah. Just like the rest of America, um, but yeah, that's that that I recently read, and I at almost the same sitting I read um, Darwin Cook's controversial um, Watchmen uh, Minutemen book. Mm-hmm. What you think? Uh, it was okay. Uh, it didn't really grab me. I wasn't really too. Um, none of the none of the characters really endeared themselves to me very much. Uh, it was kind of strange. Just how it, the whole thing just being ta- told mainly in, and you know, different flashbacks and stuff. I just, I just felt like, uh, and you know, and, and everything's been told after everything's been done, and, and you know, and everyone's gone or dead or whatever. And uh, I just, it just seemed kind of emotionally distant to me, uh, even though I felt like he was trying to make um, some sort of emotional connection to, you know, like the various Minutemen who had, sure. who had died or kind of fallen, fallen away from the group. Um, so yeah, I wasn't super impressed by it, but uh, Did I you was super- read um, Silk Spectre, which he wrote, but Amanda Connor drew. That's that's on the top of my pile right now. Yeah, I, I actually like that more. I, I thought that was great. I thought Amanda's cartooning was great, and it was a much more sort of focused story. So I, I really thought that was kind of the, the 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 top of all those before Watchmen books. Yeah, and actually, my my favorite part of the entire book was. Um, Something I'd never, heard, I didn't even know about was that Phil Noto does the colors. Um, really? For the Minutemen Minute book, and the colors are amazing. They're fantastic in that book. Um, so yeah, and then I, I can't, I can't even think of the last time that a, a guy that is not known as a color, I mean, he colors his own work, but uh, you know, whoever decided to hire him as the colorist for Darwin Cook, I mean, I, I just think that's an editorial like genius move because. It looks awesome. Yeah, well, Noto's cool. great. Yeah. On um, so on Bedlam and, and Manhattan projects, are you are you penciling, inking, and coloring, or just penciling, inking, or just, just penciling and inking? Um, okay. It, I Jordy Jordy's coloring um, the Manhattan projects, mm-hmm. um, and she did an amazing, amazing job, um, and makes myself look really, really good. <laughs> A lot better than it is actually. Like it, she when when I saw when I saw the pages and colors, like that's. It's the most proud I've ever been of, of artwork that I've done. That's um, awesome. She, I mean, she just, it's like the amount of depth that she added to my, to my drawings that I mm-hmm. wasn't able to create uh, was just, you know, like awesome. Um, and it's like, especially like on the book, I'm trying to do a little bit of a, a Nick Patera impression, uh, just kind of, you know, pointing towards his direction so that the art jump between issues isn't uh, very extreme or anything right. like that. Um, but yeah, just her colors are just so odd. it's it's a super limited palette. It's like a special 
uh, very different issue. Um, so I, I think people are going to really like it. Nice. Can't wait. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> nice. Cool, man. Well, congratulations on everything. The the work, the Kickstarter, yes. it's all it's awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank and well thanks deserved. So much. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll see you in Chicago. Well, Chris will see you probably before that, but the rest of us will uh, see you uh, at the con. Yeah, for sure. That'll, I, I can't wait for C2E2. It's my favorite show. Well, it's good because you get to sleep in your own bed. Yeah, I know. That's, that's one of the best parts about it, actually. <laughs> Chris, you didn't tell him that we're also sleeping in his bed? Nah. Yes, on, yes Ryan. We're staying, we're staying at your house. It's going to be great. Got plenty I'll put, of books I'll put to a, sleep on. Yeah, I'll put a bunch of mattresses on the book boxes. It'll be fine. Nice. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> cool. Okay, thank you all for being here with us. We'll be back next week. And as always, what? We love you. Right? Well, sort of. we, we like yeah. you. Uh, yeah. We tolerate you because you give us downloads. We so, will maybe retweet you. Uh, maybe. We care for some more than others, but yeah. It yeah. It, you're like, you're all like special one, in your own way. Like 1% oh, of you man. really matter and the rest, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sign yeah. up for them and, you know, yeah. Eventually, we'll get around to approving you. Yeah, and we'll, maybe. Yeah, but we, either way, give us a five star rating on iTunes. Thanks. Yeah, we do. We do. Bye. Go kickstart some shit. Later. Bye.